Welcome to Education 3.0, the new podcast from Kennesaw State University's iTeach Center, where we delve into educational topics like personalized learning, instructional coaching, and the maker movement, and where we get a chance to meet the incredible teachers, administrators, coaches, and students that are out there doing the work every day. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining me this morning. We are on the road recording live at a middle school. Uh, We're on the south side of town for the first time this morning. And uh, I've got Alex Larson with me this morning. She is a KSU instructional technology specialist. She's embedded in both a middle school and an elementary school down here on the south side of town. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about her school's before we say hello to her. So she's at the middle school um, that she is embedded in. They are a Title I school. They are uh, the school that is the farthest south in the district here in Atlanta. Uh, And they're about 1,200 students. And I think uh, some of the interesting things about this school, and we'll talk more about these later, this is a Microsoft showcase school. And what that means is that uh, this school gets to demo uh, and really beta new Microsoft products. So they are uh, Microsoft products are embedded in the building, in the classrooms, in the professional development. They have three MIE experts on staff here. I think that's including Alex. Mm-hmm. And the whole staff of this middle school in 1617, the school year for 1617, was MIE certified. Um, so that's pretty cool. This school also has a teach to one math lab, and that is maybe one of about 28 in the country. Um, and they were fortunate enough to get a governor's grant to fund that program. So some really cool things going on, uh, down here on the South side of town that Alex has her hands all in. So, um, let's get to know Alex. So Alex, uh, good morning and thank you for joining me. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Good. Thanks. I really appreciate you meeting me up down here. And I tell you, for those of you um, in the Atlanta area, this is one of my favorite uh, rides. I hop on my motorcycle and come down here to interview Alex this morning. And I go through Sweetwater Park and I take a lot of back roads and it's beautiful countryside roads. Uh, you know, I had the, the, uh, the radio blaring this morning. It, it, I love coming down here. So uh, thanks for having me, Alex. Absolutely. Um, so we like to start off, Alex, asking uh, all of our coaches, uh, you know, kind of how they got to where they are today in their career, how you got to iTeach. So why don't you tell the listeners out there a little bit about um, your background, your teaching experience, and your journey to iTeach? Sure thing. So I grew up in a small town in Vermont. Um, so I was always outside exploring, you know, finding new ways to have have a good time. Um, I uh, attended the University of Vermont. Um, so my first experience um, with, I want to say, personalized learning came um, when I student taught my senior year. And it was in a, a, a public school in Shelburne, Vermont. And they had a uh, a unique setup. So I taught, I student taught in a K-1-2 classroom with a, a co-teacher. So being, you know, this new teacher, I was really excited to have my own classroom and make my own decisions. And I was a little bummed when I found out that I was going to have a co-teacher. Um, but the experience was absolutely fantastic. Um, so you had kindergartners, first graders, and second graders, and two teachers and a para in these two combined classrooms. And it really afforded us the opportunity 
to teach kids at their level, as opposed to you're in first grade, we're going to teach you first grade material, so on and so forth, and having those walls preventing those first graders from potentially getting kindergarten work or second grade work should they need it. Um, so that was really fun. Some of my reading groups were definitely a combination, math groups the same. So kids really were able to move at their own pace and um, get what they needed. So that was my first experience with that. Um, in college, uh, I've always been a gadgety, techie person. So right. in college, we definitely had, I remember using Hyperstacks. I don't know if you remember Hyperstacks. Hyperstacks, wow. For that... doing a portfolio. <laughs> oh, man, I do not know Hyperstacks. Yeah, so Live binders were popular. I don't know. Maybe I'm aging myself a little bit, but... Um, so I was always fascinated with doing things on the computer or whatnot. Um, I moved to Minnesota, taught in Minnesota for four years. Um, Hashtag burr. <laughs> uh, but nice lakes. Um, and then I came down to Atlanta um, shortly after that, those four years. So, um, again, that kind of techie, gadgety person in me. Um, I was always looking for new ways to help students. And one of the things with me is... Um, I think kind of having a brain that's all over the place, it really helped me to, sometimes in my small groups, every kid was working on something different, and some people would come in and have anxiety seeing that happen, right, but right. for my kids, I knew that, you know, child A might have needed to work on letter sounds, whereas child C, you know, was blending and whatnot, so, but you only have so much time in a day, so you had to figure it out. Right. Um, and then, you know, sometimes using those, uh, you know, electronic programs to personalize also. Um, I taught for a total of 15 years, um, the last five of which were in Fulton County. Um, and then I took a leap and decided to apply to be a KSU. I teach a uh, coach. I was very nervous. I was a little, you know, but everything that they, that I had read about or spoke to people about, it really was who I am. And I'm really glad that I made the decision to, join this team. It's a fantastic team. It's a family. Um, and everything that now I feel like I can focus on what it is that I love, personalized learning and technology, and not be distracted, so to say, by all the other things that, because I was doing everything that, that I'm doing now, but I was in the classroom as well. Right, so. right. So, and how did you hear about us? Was was there a coach in your school or were people just talking about it? What, I really do you remember don't, I don't you... remember the exact way, but there was a, a, a colleague friend of mine who works over at McLaren who mentioned it and then um, Heather uh, I Heather and I actually were in the technology leadership forum for Fulton County years ago together oh, wow and uh, hashtag episode four <laughs> yeah so we and I remember thinking I'm, I know you from somewhere and then so it just became this conversation piece and I doubted myself um, that's something that I've worked on professionally that that self that self-doubt can I do it um, but I, I jumped and just hoped that the parachute would open, and it did. So well, here fantastic! I am. And how's it, and how's it, how's it been for you so far? Yeah, are, are you having fun? I just I absolutely love it. Um, I absolutely love it. Like there's I can't say one thing about it that I don't enjoy doing because I get to work with students. I get to work with teachers. I can focus, like I said, on that personalized learning and technology. Um, I have some time to learn a little bit. You know, during the day I can right. take ten to fifteen minutes. And go on the computer and take a quick class in the Microsoft Educator community or, you know, uh, go on Twitter and connect with some professionals. Yesterday I did a, um, a Microsoft Education chat. Um, and having the time to do that is just, it, it, 
it's time, you know, you don't yeah, have yeah, the yeah. time for that always. And in this position, you really do. So that's fantastic. Is there a hashtag for that chat? Just in case we got any Microsoft yeah, nerds out there. MSFTEDU chat and always keep your eyes open for those. They're, they're really fantastic ways to connect with people and get some good ideas. Uh, the one yesterday was about STEM. So, fantastic. Yes. Well, I, I tell you, I love that you mention uh, family when you talk about IT, yeah. Alex, because uh, I've been here for a little while and I, I left and I came back and, and you know, since about 2010, um, I've been in the I Teach family and really I, you know, I'm just taking this moment to give a shout out to uh, to our director, yes. Stephanie Stevens, who yes. um, who definitely works hard at making it feel like family. And I, th- I think that at that, uh, that feeling that you talk about allows our coaches to try new things and to, to not be afraid. And you talked about having the confidence to do it. And mm-hmm. I hope that, um, that you feel safe when I think of family, I Absolutely. think of safe mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think Stephanie, provides a safe environment for us to try new things and mm-hmm. to push our own boundaries um, as teachers, as educators, mm-hmm. um, as forward-thinking mm-hmm. uh, leaders in the EDU community here. So, I'm, and, I'm, Yeah, and I love that she can literally sit in front of us and say something specific and positive about every person on the team. Like She, she knows you, and that's important. And um, not only do we share professional things, but we share things that go on in our lives and we have that support system. So right. It's right. really fantastic. I love it. Fantastic. For any, any administrators out there listening, uh, hashtag family, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking for teachers to feel like they can take the next step and, you know, take that leap. Um, well, know. just as, just as we tell teachers to get to know your students, their, their likes, their dislikes, how they best learn. Why not do that with your teachers? Find a way, whether it's Facebook workplace or some other channel um, where you're allowing people to share these these things that are going on in their life and getting to know them, absolutely do it because it, it will it will really change things. Amen, amen, fantastic. I love it. Um, fantastic. So um, obviously, there's so much more to you, Alex. We didn't even talk about your MIE expert background here. That we'll get into some of that later. But um, she is for, for those of you uh, when we get uh, you know down to the end of the show and we talk about how to, how to get in touch with Alex. She is our Microsoft expert on staff. So when, when anyone, um, when any of our coaches or, or, you know, anyone at KSU, uh, really need help with Microsoft products, Alex is the go-to. So if you are out there wanting to, to use some Microsoft products or, you, you know, you're experimenting with class notebook or any of these things, Sway, um, Make sure you jot down her Twitter handle at the end and reach out to Alex. She is a uh, she is an expert. So fantastic. Um, all right, Alex. So we like to talk about um, you know what a day looks like for a uh, for an instructional coach. So why don't you tell us? Um, you're at a middle school. You're at an elementary school. Um, the last few coaches we talked to have all been on the north side. Um, you're the first one we talked to down here on the south side. A different uh, type of learner down here. Um, what does an average day look like for you, Alex? Uh, so I come in, say good, my good mornings. I really like to try and connect with the office staff, especially because they're a big part of the school. Um, I get in. Um, you know, I have teachers emailing me and texting me throughout the, the night as well. So, you know, I've been trying to be good about, you know, putting that off and waiting till the morning. But, you know, I make sure people haven't made appointments or that they have made appointments. Um, and then I like to walk around and say hello to people. Um, I don't know if it was... 
Zena or somebody that came up with it's stock and talk. You walk right. around and you. So um, especially if people aren't reaching out to you, I just like to to make myself known and um, say good morning. Hey, do you need anything? Because that's actually a really that's for me what I found the most. Um, effective way to get people to work with you because when I go in a classroom sometimes I end up staying for 30 minutes to an hour um, either talking or helping students and that's what I like to I going in these classrooms I'm building student relationships as well as teacher relationships um, at my elementary school I have a little buddy now that I check on in the morning too, yeah and uh, just to make sure he's doing well and following directions um, so you know as I said before part of this job that I love I make connections not only with teachers but with students too um there are days where i go into plcs or grade levels and i either just listen so that i can come up with with some solutions to help them help them with things or i participate in that meeting uh, with co-planning um i like to i love 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 co-teaching that's one of my favorite things to do i co-taught for the last three years that i was a um, classroom teacher so i just think that that's a really fun thing to do um, sometimes I'll do little small groups with kids, um, modeling. So I'll get up. So if a teacher, especially with OneNote, um, I will work with the teacher individually on setting their notebook up. And then I actually introduce the OneNote notebook to the students while the teacher's watching. That way they're not feeling that discomfort of introducing something that they may not be comfortable with because right. I feel like I could do OneNote in my sleep. <laughs> so Because last year we did it so much. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I go in and it's really, you know, it's really fun to do that modeling piece. Um, and I think the teachers like it too because then it kind of takes that pressure off of them. Um and then, like I said earlier, I sometimes I take some time to do these chats, or uh, I did a, a Nearpod VR webinar, uh, and that was really fantastic. Very cool. um, so I take some time to do that uh, if I can, if right. I'm not too busy. Um, and yeah, that those are some some things that I do throughout the day. That's amazing. I love that you love co-teaching, and I do. <laughs> you know, you t- you told us when you were telling us about your journey to I teach that you had a really great experience student teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, with a co-teacher in the classroom and I think that is I think that's rare mm-hmm. in in education right now I, um, I think that a lot of teachers uh, dread having co-teachers and yeah. um, you know I, when we're when we're talking about personalizing learning and really this paradigm shift in schools and classrooms that that we are advocating for um, I think co-teaching is going to be an essential piece to to leading you know whether it's 20 30 or 40 kids in a classroom you know in 20 30 or 40 different directions yes you know i think um um so i love to hear you say that you love co-teaching and and i think that that probably stemmed from your uh, from your positive experience in school with a co-teacher. So, you know, shout out to all the teachers out there that are co-teaching and especially you good ones. So. Well, and I really, um, you know, my last three years of teaching, like I said, I also co-taught, but it's just part of it is, is that you have to have that relationship with somebody. So I went into co-teaching with somebody I didn't really know. I mean, I knew of her, but I didn't know her. This is in college, but I didn't go into it. I went into it with a very positive attitude and thinking I can learn and learn from this person and come to find I, she was super creative, like, and I'm just black and white, like I, you know, <laughs> I'm systematic, and that worked so beautifully together. Right. My co-teacher that I had at the last three years of teaching, 
we knew each other. We kind of shared some um, special education students. And um, I just think I'm going to put it out there. I think every classroom should be co-taught. But when you walk in that classroom, people used to walk in my classroom the last few years and say, well, we couldn't tell who is the general ed and who is the special ed teacher. And that's really how it should be. Right. I could start a sentence. My co-teacher could finish it. Um, we could flip. I mean, it was just, but like you said, it allows for more personalization. Absolutely. And I just, you know, I, I for when you have 35 kids in a classroom and there's one body, it's, I feel badly for that situation. And yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I taught several years um, at a couple of different schools and um, I wasn't co-teaching, but I had teachers across the hall or next door to me that, um, you know, that were very good friends and we had mm-hmm. common students that we shared. Yeah. And the interplay that we would do mm-hmm. during class, mm-hmm. we would bust in each other's classes and help each other out. And I think that, I think kids appreciate that too. Yeah. They um, they appreciate the relationships. Um, I think it helps to keep kids engaged mm-hmm. um, when you have two teachers in the room that are that are enjoying what they're doing. Well, even also we did here at um, the middle school, They the ELA teachers in eighth grade did this thing. They did like a, a cafe, so to say, and students went to different teachers based on their need after, uh, you know, an assessment. Right. And so they were with different classmates. They were with different teachers and the kids absolutely loved it. So even if you're not in that position where you can co-teach, switch the kids up sometimes or or look at some of those blended um blended learning models where you can work together with somebody um many good things come from it right right and perspective you know sometimes Absolutely. sometimes a different perspective can make all the world uh, all the world's difference to a to a student right hearing it from yes. someone else with a different story so yep. Fantastic. So I know, Alex, we, we kind of chuckled beforehand about um, your introduction at your elementary school um, that, uh, you know, sometimes being a coach, uh, teachers don't know how to take you. You yeah. know, are you are you are you one of them, for lack of a better term? <laughs> are you an administrator? Are you coming in um, looking to get folks in trouble or, you know, are you taking notes down and going straight <laughs> to the principal? Um, so. So, you know, if you're for a new coach that's out there listening, maybe in a new building with new teachers, how do you go about and how did you manage, um, you know, how do they make sure that uh, they're not to be confused with administrators? I think a lot of times uh, mm-hmm. this makes me think of my wife. My wife is a, is a counselor, is a high school counselor, and she always – uh, she reminds her students, she reminds me, um, and oftentimes administrators, that she is um, she's the student advocate. Mm-hmm. So that when, when students come and talk to her, um, it's in confidence. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, um, not only does she not want to, but she doesn't have to, by law, mm-hmm. uh, talk to a principal about what's happening in her office. You know, mm-hmm. her primary client is the student. Mm-hmm. Um and so as a coach, I like to think our, our primary client, client is, is the teacher. Yes. You know, so how do you go about if teachers are, are you know, confused or a bit hesitant because mm-hmm. they think maybe the coach is in there taking notes and they're reporting back. So how do you, you know, how do you make sure that teachers know that you're on their side? Yeah. Uh, well, in speaking to any administrators listening, if you ever were to have a coach, it's really important to, to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves personally, professionally, in front of the staff because um, that kind of gets that piece out of the way. 
I made a big PowerPoint, you know, talking about who I am as a person, my, right. you know, where I came from, what, you know, how I got here and then what my role is and what my role is not. And so that was really nice. People we were able to start off right away. If that's not possible, what I do is I, I single-handedly go to every classroom, introduce myself, and if they have a misconception, they'll say, oh, you're the so-and-so. I'll say, well, actually, this is my role, um, and I'm here to help you. And even then, when I do that, sometimes there's still some some misunderstanding right. because I do attend grade-level meetings and whatnot, and, and a lot of times I'll sit back and I listen. Um so I have to um, really make an effort to explain I am not in an evaluative role. Right. Any type of observation I do is to collect information for myself and how I can improve and better help the teachers, therefore helping the students. Right. Um, administrators, the only information I give to them is a very basic. It's um, like percentages, um, generalized statements, suggestions for improvement. Um, because I work with the administrators, too, on some stuff, and I'm not going to run back to the teachers and say, oh, guess what I just did. Right, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, yeah. So there's a um, – but you have to really work with – and this kind of goes along with the challenges of the job. You have to build that trust and and that respect um, with your staff members where they can can trust in you that they can say, I'm really frustrated with this. You know, what can I do? And you're not going to run back to somebody else because honestly, if somebody said, if I, if I wanted to go talk to somebody, I would want to believe that I can entrust them with that information and how can you help me? Because a lot of times I think teachers, they do want help and they do want to improve, but they're not sure how to say something without people looking at them that they are failing. Right. But I'm a, I'm a big person on, you know, hashtag fail forward. Right. They fail all the time because it makes you a yeah. better person. But um, that's not always the climate. Right. And so uh, building relationships is really important, and that's how the best way, um, talking to individual people. Absolutely. I think as a, as a coach, it doesn't matter what you're coaching. If you're instructional coaching, if you're a soccer yes. coach, you know, relationships, if you're, you know, even teaching, which yeah. are basically, I think uh, I consider my teachers life coaches. You know, yeah. we're not just teaching kids history, but we're teaching them how to be good people and how, yes. to, how, to, how to live life right. Yeah. Um, trust in relationships Absolutely. that's you know if it, i coached soccer for years and the only way i could get um the most out of my kids on the soccer field is if they trusted me mm-hmm. um you know monday through friday and, and what we were doing and what i was demanding was was within their reach and you know they trusted me and mm-hmm. um, that's how we got the best out of our kids yeah. and um fantastic so um wow we, we've heard um we've heard a lot this is awesome um so your average day uh is not so average as we never the same never the same that's uh you know an ongoing theme here uh at i teach so um tell us about a success that you've had alex maybe uh maybe you had a breakthrough with a teacher or an administrator or uh, or student um share with us a success that that you've had uh as a coach here definitely so last year i was working with a world language teacher and she just I really love her. She, you know, I love her. She's a fantastic person. Um, she'd been teaching for quite some time and was very um, comfortable in the way that she was teaching, but she was asked to um, integrate more technology into her classroom. She um, was not necessarily tech savvy, and so this, I think, this concerned her. Um, so we took time. Just, I gave her the opportunity just to talk, just to tell me that she was uncomfortable to tell me you know what her fears were or you know what she foresaw happening if we started you know 
So initially she saw that is this like addition to what it, it, what right. it was, you know? Um, but I read this really great article on leadership that um, one of my administrators gave me, and it says people don't fear change. People fear change because if you say you're going to change, it's almost as if you're admitting what you were doing before was wrong. Right. But that's not the case at all. So what I what I did is slowly but surely got her to understand that we're marrying the two. So we're we're taking what she does well. And we're, we're, we're combining it with something else to make it, just make it easier for her. Right. So we started with small stuff such as Kahoot. Yeah. And then we moved on to some other, um, other products. You know, she tried OneNote, Nearpod, Classkick. So there were some different products that she tried and she came to find that she really loved one of them and, and still to this day continues to use it. And she's, you know, she says, you know, if you need to know how to use this, I can tell you. Oh, she's just very nice. So like, just her demeanor, I feel like, is different. She's very proud of herself, and I'm proud of her. And, um, you know, the kids, you know, I think her classroom management is, is different, too. Um, but it's, it's, it, I think, it, to me, it's a success story because she feels successful, and she's so happy. Right. You know, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my role was to support her and get her to see that she can do it. Um, you know, I have that belief in, in people that you can and it, but I have to wait till you see it. You right, know? yeah. And so that was really great. And um, and I'm starting my success stories at my new school too. So I'm really excited that maybe on our next podcast I can talk about some some more. Well, very cool. That's cool. Yes. And we've talked several times uh, to several coaches about uh, um, confidence mm-hmm. uh, being a challenge, and mm-hmm. that's you know wins and successes those certainly help to build confidence but to you know to hear we had a you know a a comfortable or hesitant teacher that now is kind of carrying the torch and and is an advocate in her building for integrating um some new teaching and learning and you know it sounds like her kids are more engaged Mm -hmm. in the classroom and um and she's still doing what was she was doing before just in a different way that's easier right fantastic win-win yes all right good so um you know, we know it's not all successes and it's not all happy stories at the end of the day and that there are there are real obstacles and real challenges out there. So tell us about a challenge that that uh, that you're either dealing with or that you have dealt with and maybe you've overcome it or, or even a challenge maybe that a, a, an administrator said, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, here's a challenge in my building. I'd love for some help in trying to overcome this obstacle. Um, you know, they're all out there. So tell us about what what is one of the challenges that, uh, that you deal with as a coach down here um, in Atlanta, Alex? One of them is definitely buy-in um, because a lot of teachers feel that they don't have the time um, – or the resources um, right off the bat. And so that's where that whole relationship trust piece comes in um, because they just, they do have a lot on their plates and, and I'm not naive. You know, I was, a, I taught just two years ago and I, I, I felt overwhelmed by a lot, right. um, you know, with testing and paperwork and this, that, and the other things. So, so I certainly keep that, you know, in my back pocket and I understand that. And um, so my, my, my job is to, or my goal is to get them to understand that my position, I am here to help make things easier for you. Right. And if we try something and it, it hasn't made it easier for you, we're going to scrap it and get rid of it. We don't need to continue doing something that's, that's making it more difficult for you. So the, the challenge is getting in there and getting them just started. Right, right, you right. You know, I have teachers, that, yeah, you know, I'll make an appointment with you. Yeah, I'd love to have you come in and that's just the consistent 
theme. Like, right, right, right. I'll, I'll email you. I'll yeah, get in yeah, touch yeah. with you. So, checks in the mail. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so um, with those teachers, it's like I know they want to do something, but it's there's a lot of other stuff going on. So how can I then? So then, then the challenge for me also is what kind of what can I, you know, I look at their content and that's why I like to go to the, the you know, PLCs or grade level meetings. What, what can I slip into their content, you know, to help make that easier for them? Right. And it can be something super simple, super small. Um, it doesn't have to be technology related, you know, in regards to personalized learning. It can be something, you know, just a switching grouping or something. Right. And then I find that with when buy-in is, is difficult to go in and model. So they're like, oh, you can come in and show me how to do this? Absolutely. And um, so that would, you know, time time is of the essence, and especially when teachers are teaching bell to bell and um, they have a lot to cover and their expectations are there from administration, uh, it, it's that I think that's the biggest challenge. Where do I fit in and how can I make your life easier? Right. Absolutely. There's some interesting, some interesting, uh, aspects you bring to light there, Alex. So, um, you know, time, I think, uh, you know, I taught economics for years and, and we always define technology as anything that makes us more efficient, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of times that, um, being more efficient, we, we like to, we like to make teachers lives easier. Um, but if we can help make things more efficient for them, it gives them more time, to build those relationships with students as well. Yeah. Um, and that's where we know in, in, in education that uh, that the relationship with the student is the most important piece. Um, and that if we've got that relationship, then, then you know, the outcomes for the students are going to be greater. So yeah. um, I love that we're out there, that, that that's the challenge that we are heading face on and, yeah. and that, uh, that I like to think we are, we are successful um, in those challenges and, and helping teachers find time um, and making uh, their jobs easier and helping them build relationships and personalizing this, uh, the experience for their students. Yeah, and we talk about like innovation, and it's funny, I traveled this weekend, and both at the Boston and I want to say the Atlanta airport, they said innovative, you know, innovative things happening. And, right. You know, I was talking to my husband about it, I said, you know, are they truly innovative? Because I'm reading Jenny McGarrah's book, um, I have it somewhere here, but it's uh, the this one it's uh courageous adventures and she talks about innovation what is innovation and it, it it's not just something new but something that is that that makes things better so to say right and so you can have something new but it's not helping at all or it's not changing things. yeah yeah you know so so i always i am always very careful to use that term innovation but that is what we want to do we want to be innovative right you know and and go against the grain with things yeah Make, ha- let people take, take chances and, and mess up and start again. And so. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, uh, you know, deep down all of the, uh, all the coaches here at I teach, uh, at one point or another, we're all technology nerds. <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got that, that little bug in us that we like gadgets and we like to be on the cutting edge of new and emerging technologies. Um, so tell me, Alex, do you have a favorite tech tool right now or a favorite technology and, um, you know, if so, are you able to use it to, to improve teaching and learning in your buildings? This is a hard one for me because I, I like anything tech related, to be honest with you. Um, but I have always loved Google, like Google search. Um, and the reason why, you know, somebody asked if you were a tech tool, what would you be? And I said, I'd be a Google search bar. And it's because I am a self-directed learner. 
Um, I don't wait for people to tell me things. I go and I find it myself. And the internet has just been this, you know, explosive place of information. Right. It's like you can't you can't sit there and tell me you can't find something because you just have to know how how best to look for it. Right. So. If a teacher wants to do something and I don't know how to do it or I don't know the right tool, there's my there's my in right there. I can I can spend time and I can research it and look and I can pretty much find you anything you want. Um, and uh, you know, or at, at home if I have to fix something and I have no idea how to do it, I'm going to look it up and I'm going to try. I'm going to look at YouTube videos. I'm going to you know read articles and so it really helps me with the teachers because I don't have to say oh I don't know how to do that. Let's find something that I know how to do. I can say, you know what? I don't know how to do that, but that's okay. Give me a couple days and I'll come back to you. Right. And I will do my research and figure it out. Um, I'm going to put a second one in there because I, I love Twitter. Yeah, I do yeah. love Twitter um, because it's a great place for professional development. It's a great place to connect with others um, who are passionate about the same things that you're passionate about. So um, it's like I mean, it's like a search thing. You can search for anything. Absolutely. It's, it's really it's, it's a great tool. So I'd Absolutely. say those are my, my favorite tech tools. Absolutely. I love what you, you were talking <laughs> about search that, uh, you know, how to find it is a key to search. I've Absolutely. been, I've been yelling, um, a long time, um, in my, my, my education megaphone that, mm-hmm. um, that in, in changing how we teach, you know, I always ask this question is, is, uh, uh you know, can I Google your answer? You know, if, if Google can tell me the answer to the question you're asking me, then, yeah. uh, I feel like these days we're asking the wrong questions. So, um, so a big emphasis in my house is when my children have answers or questions, um, you know, a lot of times I'll answer them with, what are your search terms? Right. If they ask me a question, I'll say, I don't know. What are your search terms? So, um, you know, it's something that I work on with my middle school aged boys at home is how do we do a relevant search? How do we narrow down um, from the the Internet that is, as you said, gigantic, almost all encompassing? I mean, I can't imagine what's not out there. Um, how How do we narrow all that down so that we can we can precisely find what we're looking for? Well, and that's where digital literacy really comes into play. You really have to teach kids to um, recognize the, the proper sources. Right. And I think that that's really important. I mean, I worked with a class last year that didn't realize the whole concept. I said, well, if you find a picture on the internet, on you say you do a Google search and you find an image, can you take any picture? And they're like, yeah. So we can't actually. Just because right. something's on the internet doesn't mean it's yours to take. So showing them that advanced search for, you know, things to reuse or Creative Commons, anything like that. Right. So digital literacy is extremely important because you can search for anything, but is what you're finding really what you need? Right. Absolutely. And bias. You know, we, we talk a lot about – I was a social studies teacher, so we talk a lot about bias when we write. Um, you know, particularly, you know, history is, is very biased. You know, someone had to write the story. Um, and that's generally, you know, the story you know is, is someone's point of view and someone's perspective – um, and so that's a, a key, I think, a giant issue uh, right now, and we'll be moving forward. Is is how do we teach kids um, to recognize bias well, and you know to, to seek multiple points of view yes. to make sure they get a, a you know a better, more rounded picture, if you will, yeah. of of whatever it is they're searching. So well, and I spoke. I listened to Will Richardson speak once when I taught at a local private school, and he was talking about the. And I don't know if you remember this, um, a particular website on Black history that was actually written by P- 
people who um, associated themselves with the KKK. Yeah. And it was, and but it was one of the top things that would come up when you would search Black History. Right. And it was, and you would never looking at the site, you'd never know it, but there were certain things. So you have, and his big push was you have to get kids to understand the sources. Where is this information coming from? Like you said, perspective. Um, and it's it's frightening in a sense sometimes, you know, that 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 some perspectives can can be so sneaky. Yes, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so I just thought that was a really interesting. Absolutely. Uh, That's thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, something we got to be aware of in the future. So, um, so tell us a little bit, Alex, the person. Are you uh, are you reading anything right now? What What's on the nightstand next to your bed? Oh, a million books because I can't read one one book at a time. But one of the ones I just started was the People's History of the United States. Oh, a fantastic book. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, within the first three pages, I was I was angry and frustrated. <laughs> right. Um, but like we were talking about perspective, you know. The other day I was on Twitter and um, I think it was L.A. They had decided that they no longer will have Columbus Day. That right. It is now Indigenous Peoples Day. And fan- I think it's fantastic. That's my personal opinion. Sure. Um, and I uh, was reading, you know, people's opinions and somebody said, you know, oh, Columbus Day, you know, what's going to be next? This, that, and the other thing, you know, he was a winner. Just get over it. And so I said, well, you know, due respect, sir. Just because somebody's a winner doesn't make them a good person. Right. And so reading this this book on different perspectives of historical events, I think it's important to to keep your mind open. You may not agree with it, but keep your mind open. Um, and that's important in my, in my role, too, because I may not agree with what teachers are choosing to do. But that's not for me to make that decision. I, I, my dad always said, you may not agree with somebody, but you respect them. Right. And I think that that's really important. You can, you can, you know, respect a decision, but not agree with it, this and that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing this. Yeah, that, that's a, uh, that's a great book. And it's, you know, we talked with Phil, uh, if you listen to the podcast with Phil Wagner, we talked a lot about empathy at the end and, mm-hmm. and certainly, um, multiple perspectives, uh, I think are so important today, um, you know, and I, I think we can't we can't have enough empathy, and we can't work with our kids too much on on teaching them empathy. And that uh, I think, as a uh, you know, if we're looking at investing in our children, I think empathy is a wise investment, and we'll, we'll have a nice payout. Um, well, winners are not always going to talk about the pain and suffering of the people that they overcame. You right. Know? So so. We tend to, as a society, just kind of put that on the back burner yeah. and and think, well, they deserved it or this, that, and the other thing. But but are you truly putting yourself in their shoes and understanding what they went through and what people are still going through nowadays? I mean, we see right. it on the news every day. The people people still struggling and suffering. And, right. Um, it, uh, what was it? The Requiem for an American Dream, um, the Netflix documentary, and he talks about how. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he talks about how you actually have to learn to not care for others. Um, hmm. It's really fascinating. That's and, interesting. You know, as a society, we've, we've come to not care about others. But, um, yeah, totally got, went off on a tangent. Yeah, but, God, but, now but, I'm depressed. <laughs> Jeez, well, but it can become positive. We just right. have to, you know. <laughs> right. We can fix it. That's the we good can. news. We can. That's the good news. Not so, everything's impossible. Um, <laughs> you know, to quote, quote the late Whitney Houston, you know, I, I believe the children are the future. <laughs> 
Yes. So take me back to my <laughs> middle school or elementary days. I don't even remember when that was. But um, all right. Well, fantastic. Well, Alex, thank you so much for, for lending us your time this morning in your office um, and for chatting with us. If, if anybody out there um, wants to get in touch with you or to keep up with you or, you know, if they've got a – they need an MIE expert on hand they can reach out to, how, uh, how can the listeners get in touch with you or keep up with you, Alex? Absolutely. I am on Twitter and my handle is – at Alex in Wonderland. So it's A-L-E-X underscore N underscore W-N-D-R-L-N-D. So it's Wonderland with no vowels. I'm just going to put that out there in case I said it incorrectly. Alex in Wonderland. Um, And I'm also part of the Microsoft Educator community as well. So I'm on there too. Fantastic. And if that got uh, if that got too tricky for the listeners there, there will be uh, it'll be in the show notes. So you can uh, copy and paste it um, from there. So um, any final words of encouragement or uh, motivation you want to throw out there for the listeners, Alex? Absolutely. Um, I last year when I began, I was super excited. I was really nervous to, to be put in this position um, or to choose to be put in this position. And um at first, I just didn't feel like I was making the impact I needed to make. I, I was I was very hard on myself, and my husband kept saying, "Just give it time, give it time," um, because I'm consistently judging, and right. I, you know, I have these expectations. Um, and and he was right. I gave it time, and I look, I think about myself a year ago and, and where I am now, and I just think of how much success there has been, not necessarily for me, but the people I'm working with. And um, so if you're ever in a position and you're feeling frustrated, like you're not making the gains or the impact that you feel like you should, that you feel like you should, you keep going and, and, and don't feel like it has to be this like completely wide um, impact all at once. Start with one or two people. Right. Because when you start with those one or two people, they become your, your quote unquote Avengers. And and they practice what you know what they preach, and then they you know other people start seeing it, and it becomes this really great. And, and really, you want your teachers to be the people who impact others. You want to become obsolete, right? And so, um, give the, give a couple of teachers some tools, and and see where it goes. You're going to be very happy with the results. Don't don't give up. Right. Fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you, Alex. Um, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So for all the listeners out there, uh, we're going to wrap up. And uh, until the next podcast, cheers. Education 3.0 is produced by the instructional coaches from iTeach at Kennesaw State University. You can reach out to them for more information, questions, or comments at their website, www.ksuiteach.org, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.